everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Rocky and I are here today to talk about Clear Number 5 and 6. Uh, if you listened to uh, or watched our other episode on the last couple of issues of Night of the Ghoul, this will be familiar. Fast forward if you want. But yeah, we realized as the second wave of Best Jacket books are about to drop this Tuesday, the Tuesday before San Diego Comic-Con, July 19th, we never finished up uh, Clear and Night of the Ghoul. We finished up We Have Demons, but we never finished our reviews. And these books are so awesome. These series are so great. They definitely uh, need to be completed. So go back in the podcast feed or go back on Rocky's channel and you can find reviews for Night of the Ghoul 1 through 4, Clear 1 through 4. We're going to talk about Clear 5 and 6 on this episode. What do you think, Rocky? Did it finish satisfactorily for you? It, it did. It, uh, it it really did. These issues five and six, I, it, it, it was deeply satisfying. Uh, one thing uh, that Scott Snyder continues to do so well here, he did it with Night of the Ghoul, his character work. I mean, it was, it was a horror story with great character work. Who, who'd have thunk? Uh, it's, and, and this clear uh, dealing about, about a sort of a future dystopian future where, you know, there's these black veils where people essentially live in a, in a world of their choosing uh, basically through their iPhones and, and, and everyone's escaping. We're just like we in our world. We escape our. We escape ourselves into our iPhones, or we escape by watching too much TV or too. We're always on our iPhones. Imagine literally being in another virtual world that sort of surrounds our senses all the time. This veil, these black veils, and and this the character work in Clear is so great. This detective Nunes who lost his lost his son Baxter, uh, and whose wife Kendra is a very uh, intelligent scientist who creates this ultimate uh, veil uh, and uh, who ends up being, uh, you know, the, the central gist of the story is that his wife, Kendra, is, is killed and she works for the Department of Clarity, I think it is. And she... Connectivity. Right, the Department of Connectivity, right. And she, it's her job basically to, to uh, focus on, you know, not all of society is... is is sort of swallowed up by this, by these veils. And so, but, but it's, it's very, very addictive. And, and just the themes in this story are are so powerful about, about, about clarity, about, you know, what do you focus on in your life? You know, uh, you can escape, we all want to escape our pain. And for, for Detective Nunes, the greatest pain in his life was the loss of his son Baxter. And he can get back his son He can uh, if he takes a veil. And it's all, it's, of course, it's not real. It's just imaginary. It's, it's, it's through a veil. And, but it's that choice you make. Do you live with your pain? To what extent does pain define us? How, uh, should you escape it and and what what's the cost that, that you make escaping i mean part of being human is is how we deal with our pain and and the ups and downs life life isn't fair and but if you're always constantly escaping your life by escaping it going into a veil what happens to reality what happens to real life and those central questions uh, are so powerful and the way that this story ends was so powerful to me because the world has a reckoning there it has a reckoning at the end of here that i think is perfect and it's poetic justice for a world that allows itself to get too caught up in the veil too caught up in the fantasy what happens when when you suddenly have to learn to live in reality again and the veils are gone and so that's the question that leaves us at the end of this series but getting there the character the work, the loss, the tragedy, the hope, the love, the the betrayal, and uh, just 
I mean, it's very powerful. And the fantastic art by Francis Manipal, favorite cover of this series on cover of issue five. The character called The Widow was on this cover. Absolutely beautiful. Francis Manipal's art is just incredible. Uh, the colors, the the uh, just the, the shading, the, the the character work, the the the. The, I love his use of uh, the, the the bright lights. It's and just and you get multiple different variations of of different scenes of of pretty much every time period because with the veil, every person has a different fantasy and your fantasy can be whatever you want it to be. So literally, the fantasy is can basically take 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 a person anywhere and and through various scenes throughout this six issue series you get all you get you get all kinds of different ways in which Francis Manipal gets to show off his art and show off his uh, show off his uh, his talents and I don't know uh, the the theme it, it, I, it really was impactful for me and there's some moments here that some moments here that I thought were where you know, I even got somewhat emotional. I never shed a tear reading this, but there were moments that tugged at my heart. So, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, the way this ends, uh, you may not be familiar with this quote, being Canadian, but if you're most Americans will know this quote. It's from Thomas Jefferson, and the quote is: "The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants." And when I read this. And it comes to the end and it's clear a revolution is coming, uh, you know, in in a different way from the American Revolution. Um, But that's all I could think, right? It's going to be some growing pains. It's going to be some bloodshed. um, But it's all about liberty, right? And giving people the option uh, to live free because really what has happened here is people have chosen through very uh, interesting and uh, very – nuanced world building from both Snyder and Manipole, uh, we see n- not just character development for Detective Dunes and his, and his wife and his family, and, and but really character building for society as a whole, for these sort of self-imposed imprisonment that they've chosen, right? They really have chosen this, this prison, and maybe the prison is, you know, a wonderful thing to be in. It's got uh, you know, velvet couches and, uh, you know, the, the climate is nice and what have you, but it's a prison nonetheless, a prison of their own choosing. Um, but it, society has stagnated, right? I mean, another one of the best lines, maybe my favorite line, there's two lines that, that I loved. And one we'll talk about, it's at the end of issue five, where Dune says, I'm the fire. Um, and we'll talk about the significance of that in a little bit, but, uh, in issue two, where Dunes is talking about the war, the Red War, and how basically uh, the U.S. became sort of isolationist and how things started sliding toward this future that they currently live in where everybody lives in a reality that's their own. And we've talked before about how it's so interesting because technology is supposed to bring us close together and has made the world smaller – but when you, the pendulum swings too far, now it's got to the point where it's actually isolating people. You could be sitting right next to somebody, standing right next to somebody, walking down the street right next to somebody, and you're not even seeing the same things that, that they're seeing because you perceive the world differently because you have different veils. So now there's no common ground. There's no connectivity. Instead of bringing people together, technology is actually isolating people. But when we're talking about the state of the world, uh, 
you know, and Dunes is talking about, yeah, we expected it to be this big war or this big apocalypse or this big Armageddon and it was going to be big and catastrophic. But what if instead of that, it, the world just kind of ended and became dystopian with a shrug? Like what's what's worse, right? Like caring so much, caring not or caring not at all, like caring so much and not being able to stop something bad from happening or, yeah. you know, it's kind of like when you look at social media, well, all these people that, that get fired up and it's been shown time and time again that people will be more likely to respond to something that angers them rather than something that makes them happy. Right. But either way, it's attention, right? Like if you're posting on some, something on social media, there are those out there who want to be influencers and they'll post something that uh, they think people will like and that will get their followers, uh, you know, a lot of, of joy and happiness, or they'll post things that are provocative to get people fired up and get engagement. But either way, they're getting attention. Either way, that's what they want. They can sell their their influence. But what's the worst for those people is to just ignore them, right? To not even care, to not even matter. You matter so much, I'm not going to respond at all. Or you matter so little, I'm not going to respond at all, right? So that was one of the great lines that I uh, for, had forgotten, actually, when I went back and reread this. Yeah, what if the world ended with a shrug? Like, what if yeah. nobody cared? That's, and- that's the word. Is very powerful, and it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Excellent, because uh, Snyder nails those moments with, with the with the words and the vocabulary, and he also, and in the same way, uh, Francis Manipal nails it with the visual imagery. And I know in the cover of issue six, there's the bloody hand on the left on the right side of uh, Nunez's uh, face and it's uh, it's uh, the blood is actually from his wife Kendra who uh, touches his face and it's that same bloody hand that at the on the first issue the cover of the first issue it's 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 a bloody hand that's on the, his helmet and i i can't help but to think that there's there's a metaphor there for something that, that you know there's a, initially he has a helmet on and he's wearing a mask and it's got and he's got the bloody hand on the mask and it has the image and this same bloody and a, and a, a different kind of bloody hand of course of that, that of his wife Kendra is on the side of his face here in the sixth issue about about how important it is you know that once once you take off the mask you, you can't escape reality at some point you have to deal with reality and it's a stark reminder of the cost that Nunez paid here uh, at the loss of his uh, of his ex-wife Kendra, who he thought was initially dead to begin with. I mean, this was a central, this was essentially a murder mystery in the future. But that the discovery that in fact uh, she was alive and was moving to moving to essentially eliminate the veil, the black veil, to tear it all down herself, and was hoping that. Nunez would make the same decision she did, all inspired by the by by their by their, by their son Baxter, whose whose final act Baxter's final act before the car accident that ultimately took his life was that Baxter himself his son their son was trying to take down a veil uh, without success and just it's so hard it's just kind of gut wrenching and you feel the pain of the characters even now as as you read it and the character work is so great and. And with the loss of Kendra, and this is a, this is a character that you know we discover in this issue she's still alive, but we've already felt her loss in earlier issues, and then for her to come al- be, be revealed to be alive in this issue, and we lose her again, it was even it was a double whammy and done so effectively well, uh, so so well by uh, by 
by Snyder and just I mean and just mag- that the the sense of that loss was magnified by Manapart uh, with the bright red hair and the blood of the of the bloody hand on the side of the face. It just really really worked. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, I always took that to be with those hands. And I get this is like one of my number one questions, a conversation I want to have with Scott about this series. It's almost like see no evil, right? Like you're going to put your hands over your eyes because you don't want to see the world as it is. But here, but and so that's the symbology that that's what Dunes is putting on his helmet. But yet he sees through that, even though people and he that's why he keeps his setting on clear. So let's do a quick quick recap of the first four issues in case you don't remember. So yeah, we mentioned the first issue. Uh, we get introduced to the world. Everybody has a chance to skin the world as they would want and see through their own veils. There are a couple things that are outlawed. You can't have shared veils, so you can't look at a veil that um, that you then share with somebody else. And then there are other certain veils that uh, you're you're not supposed to have either. And they're all called black market veils. They're not supposed to be there. Now, uh, in the second issue, after uh, Kendra apparently commits suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, she sends a gift to uh to detective dunes and it's a it's a watch that he gifted her after their son had died and he never heard back he knows that she he, he said i expected one of two things she was going to send it back out of hate or she was going to uh you know reach out to me and, and thank me and was going to be reconciliation instead he knows that she accepted it but nothing happened but on the back of the watch when he takes it out of the box it says i was murdered so that sends dunes who used to be a police officer uh, in search of who who killed her, right? Uh, he and we find out that um, she works for the Department of Connectivity, and there apparently are these rumors of these yellow-eyed men who are outside the system and can manipulate veils and whatnot. So then, uh, Dunes goes to this group called the Fifteen Eighteen. They're kind of these rebellious people who believe that veils should be able to be shared. Um, and he learns that, yes, Kendra did come to them, but they're not the ones that killed her, but they, that Kendra came to them and she wanted to create such, she wanted to create a shared veil, which is against her job, right? Department of Connectivities has this department where they, they go and stamp out people uh, selling black market veils, shared veils. But she wanted to make a shared veil that was so big that it would bring down the whole system. And the only way to, get that uploaded into the system would be to have it modified by this person called the widow. She's the only one that has the technological skill to do that. The 1518 group doesn't. So Dunes doesn't necessarily believe them. Um, so he goes and talks to uh, somebody else, uh, this criminal that he had an engagement with in the first issue. Alka 10 is his name. And we learn that Dune, even though Dunes um, ha- sees the world on clear all the time without any settings. He wants to see the world as it is and keep his, his, you know, wits about him that he did succumb at one point at when, after, uh, the son had died and we see the, 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 um, how that happened involved a veil that Kendra was working on, uh, that he did give in and went to Alka and asked for a black veil. And it was basically, what would the world be? Let me see the world as it would be if my son hadn't died. And it was at that moment that he was experiencing that black veil that Kendra came to him. Um, and this is revealed in issue five that came to him and, and, you know, here she is fighting against black veils and thinks that dunes will always be one that will always want to see the world as it actually is. But when she goes to see him, 
she sees him using a black veil and sees him happy for the first time since their son died. So that that's kind of a crisis of faith, faith for her. So that's what, that's what uh, Dunes realizes at the end of issue four. And it's kind of an aha moment for him. And he realizes what happened with Kendra, right? She went to the 1518. She asked for an, um, an introduction to the widow. They said, we'll never introduce you to the widow because you are uh, an agent of the DOC, Department of Connectivity. And those are the people that want widow captured and stopped. Um, and it'll never happen. But she went and jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge anyway in the hopes that the widow would have mercy and pick her up. So when Dunes does that at the end of issue four, you don't know why. Well, come to find out the widow's headquarters, if you will, her base of operations is a submarine that's like go, uh, driving around the Bay of San Francisco. So he does manage to get picked up in the beginning of issue five. He meets the widow. She explains a lot of this stuff to him. Um, it's really great. It's not it's a little expositional heavy, this particular issue, but it explains everything that's going on, like all the mystery. It really pulls a lot of the threads together. Um, and Dunes makes this realization that, yes, uh, Kendra was going against what she was actually supposed to be doing with her job. She decided at that moment when she saw Baxter um, or saw uh, Dunes using the veil Baxter, which was the name of their son, um, that's what they named the the veil that allowed Baxter to still be alive or them to see the world as though he was still alive. She decided she was going to upload that so that everybody would see, would see that, would experience that world. And, um, and the widow refused to do it. Um, And so Dunes is asking her once again to do it. And she still, she goes through and she's talking about, um, there's this analogy with where she got her name, the spider. And she talks about when she had a small child and how spiders, if a shoe comes and steps on a spider, that that's something like sort of like an act of God or an act of fate where the spider won't even know what's happening. And even if you were to explain to the spider, what a shoe is that just opens up this Pandora's box. Then you have to explain like people, people wear shoes and then it just, it keeps expanding and expanding. And and it's this idea of ignorance is bliss. And which then goes back to tie into this idea of, Hey, I want to see the world through a veil so I can see it as I want to see it instead of dealing with reality. And that's really what, at the end of the day, what the series is kind of about, right? Like, are you going to grow up and put your big boy pants on and actually deal with reality? Or are you just going to stick your head in the sand and pretend everything's hunky dory? Right? So, uh, through this conversation with Dunes, uh, the widow changes her mind, basically. Um, she was never going to do this for Kendra, but she, she changes her mind and, and agrees to do it. So before she gives Detective Dunes the, uh, the little um, chip, microchip with the, uh, the Baxter Vale all set up so that it can be uploaded into the server farm and be disseminated out everywhere, which will crash the system. And then because it's too big and allow everybody to see the world as it really is. She tells Dunes, you need to see the world as it really is. And now Dunes thinks that he does. He's been, he doesn't use a veil. He's set on clear all the time, but come to find out clear is a veil as well. And the world is in much worse shape than even he thought. And all these WXR robots that are supposedly, um, they do all the the manual labor that nobody wants to do and blah, blah, blah. They're not even robots. They're actually people. They're indentured servants. They're immigrants. They're, you know, the, the poorest of the poor, people that are exploited. And even if they try to talk or 
do something to try to free themselves, it all gets covered up by the veil. And so they go along with their horrible existence, hoping at some point to earn enough credit that they can be released into this uh, supposed, like kind of like a dog that dies. You say, oh, I went to the farm in the country. They get to go to Alaska. And the widow says, I don't even know. I don't even know if this is true or not. Maybe they do, maybe not. <laughs> so what's interesting is that Dunes asks, he goes, so why, why are you doing this now? You didn't, you know, you weren't willing to do it before. Why are you, do you want to crash the system now? You know, you, you make veils, <laughs> you know, you're the biggest marketer of black market veils in the, wor- the world, the biggest supplier. Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to, you rely on this world. And it's great what she says. She goes, you know what? Uh, black widows eat their mate for no reason at all. So, you know, maybe it's just time. Yeah. Um, but he needs to get it into the server and uh, it's like the most heavily guarded place in the world, uh, one of these server farms. But he did have uh, a relationship with a client earlier um, who does have a chance to uh, to possibly uh, have access because her husband owns the server farm. And so she uh, he calls her. And again, this is like one of the best one of the best moments in the entire series. He calls her pedal matter is her name. Um, and he, he calls her and he's, he's thinking back to the joke that this is the other, the joke is the other thing that I would really want to talk to Scott about. Cause again, it's such a great metaphor for the series. The joke that his son had was telling to, um, to Sam dunes and, and Kendra in the car right before he died. Um, there's, all these characters in the joke, there's the doctor who's in charge of this mental institution. There's all the mental patients and he, and there's the watch. And at various times throughout the story, and this goes along with the, the characters, uh, character arc that Manipole and Snyder take dunes on uh, at various times, he's identified with different things, you know, the doctor, the patients, maybe even the watch itself. And then he realizes as everything is coming to a climax here, because he, he's, he wasn't the doctor. He wasn't the lunatics in the asylum. He wasn't the watch like he thought he was. He's the fire. He's going to burn it all down. I, I love that. It's like my favorite line in the entire, entire series. He's going to bring this whole terrible system down around everybody's, uh, around everybody's ears. So that's, that's where issue five ends. And then issue six starts. He's, uh, he's got a veil on that makes him look like uh, Petal's husband. Uh, who's, you know, Mr. Uh, Matter. And so they go up there and they go to uh, to load it. and But unfortunately, Quentin Matter is waiting there for him, knew he was coming and uh, has his yellow man, yellow-eyed man up there helping him, kills Petal and then shoots Dunes and is kind of torturing him, saying, give me the chip. Uh, you, you know, you never get away with it. I told all the WXR robots in here to tear you limb from limb. Now we know they're not actually robots. They're actually people. Um, but when the yellow-eyed man shows up there um, and Dunes is kind of at the mercy of Quentin, uh, we find out, as Rocky alluded to earlier, that the yellow-eyed man is actually Kendra all along. She didn't die. It was a fake out to find a way to get to the widow, actually. And Kendra, as I said, she's had this crisis of conscience and she said she's just tired of being in pain. She's tired of the pain of losing her child and it really resonated with her. You know, she was fighting against the system, trying to take down black veils, trying to make everybody see the world 
as it was, and it felt futile to her because even Detective Dunes, you know, the, this self-professed, I always want to see the world as it is. I don't want to lie to myself. This man of, you know, integrity and honesty, even he succumbed and seemed happy when he was experiencing the ve- the uh, Baxter Vale. And so she's, she says, uh, yeah, let's do it. And Quentin's like, yeah, I, I, you, you gave me the widow. You know, you allowed me to find the widow herself. So I'm going to make good on my debts and I'm going to allow you and Kendra to go, you know, live your life out in, in happiness, living with this life through this veil of, of your son being alive. But Quentin says, no, he, he's, you know, a moment of weakness. Yes, he did. But he says, you know, he, he realized that even at that moment where Baxter died, even at that moment, he was trying to turn the veil off. He didn't want it. He said, this is not what Baxter would want. Baxter would not want us to live this fake life pretending like he was still alive. So, you know, if you're going to kill me, kill me. And Kendra has a change of heart at that moment. And she tells Dunes as she's um, – so she has a change of heart. She shoots Quentin. Quentin shoots her. They both, they're both they both lying there dying. Um, and this, this was maybe the only moment where – it's not that I didn't like it, but I don't know if it really works as well as it could. She says it was really a double cross all along. She was just pretending to go along with Quentin. She never really was going to go along with Quentin. But she thought this was the only way to get in the server farm, and she knew Dunes would be there. It all seems a little too coincidental. I, th- I think more likely she's trying to save face, but you know, at the end here, um, and that she did, she did kind of flip flop. You know, she did. Yeah. Want I got a little to- bit of that sense as well, a little bit of flip flopping, yeah. maybe. But it, 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 at the same time, yeah, I, I want her, I want her to be sin- sincere because I want, I don't want Dun- uh, Dunes to feel pain because I feel so sorry for him. He, you yeah. know, he lost Baxter, now he's lost the mother of, of his son. So it's just, it's, you, you just feel for the main character. Yeah, I mean, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, it's almost like with Dunes uh, staring death right in the face and still saying, "This is not what Baxter would want, Quentin." Or this is, or, or Kendra, this is not what Baxter would want. Quentin, go ahead and kill me. It's almost like she she then it kind of brings her back to how she thought Dunes was to begin with. It, it's it's you know yes he had that moment of weakness where he used the veil, but she was actually right about him that he does want to see the world even even knowing now that the world's even worse off than they thought. Right. That it's not robots. It's, so it's almost like Kendra. Yeah. She did kind of flip. She did, she did waver, but in the end she's redeemed as well. Um, and I, I love that you mentioned that, you know, the cover of six with the bloody handprint, because I, you know, I mentioned putting those uh, handprints right on the mask and it's, he's, you know, see no evil trying to hide, but he still sees through that. That's the metaphor, at least for me, that where Dunes is still trying to see through. But in the end here, in the final issue, the hand handprint is still there. But it's not even covering his eye. And that's what I love. It's off to the side. So, yeah, those hands have been removed. So you don't even have to pretend anymore. Yeah. This is the world as it really is. So as she dies, um, Dunes goes to put the little chip into the server. And Quentin is still alive. And he yells to all the uh, WXR robots, you know, these, these they're, that are actually people. Stop him. Uh, don't let him do that. And instead, uh, all these people come and they subdue him. And uh, as Dunes holds, uh, Kendra cradles her as she lives her last moments. And he says he hears the sounds of bones breaking and flesh tearing. And really, it's these people that are have been living as slaves their whole life, getting some 
cathartic release. And then he goes and he sticks the chip in and it very much does crash the system. And people um, have to view the world as it really is uh, for the first time. And it goes back to that joke in the beginning, right? Um, and the joke has to do with, uh, again, a fire approaching this in, uh, insane asylum. There's three buildings. The doctor goes to the first building and tells a, a writer, um, an artist, and a musician, here's the keys. Let everybody else out in this building get down to the bottom floor to the docks and we'll uh, get in the boat and escape the fire while he goes and gets people out of the second and third building. Everybody from the second and third building is in the boat at the end and they look up and they see all the uh, all the patients on the top, top floor of the first building instead of coming down to the boat. And they're watching a play that was written by the, the writer uh, with uh, imagined backdrops from the artist and uh, an imagined uh, musical score from the musician. And they're all watching this and, and ha happier than the doctor has ever seen them while they burn, right? And obviously, it's very much a metaphor for this world uh, that these people live in the world uh, of clear where the world around them is burning, but these people are living their lives in these veils and don't even realize how bad it is out there. Um, but they're about to find out because uh, dunes has crashed the entire system. So very much man against the world story in a way. Um, and I love that it ends with no epilogue with no hints um, of whatever might be to come. And also, much like we said with uh, with Night of the Ghoul, a complete story. And as much as I love this, like I love this so much, this might be my favorite thing that Scott Snyder's ever done. Um, I don't think I would want to see him come back to the world of Clear. I, I love this as a self-contained story. I think it says everything it needs to say, yeah. and it's it's. I think it's perfect as it is. And what I will say about uh, the character work is. This the character work in this is so nuanced that it's it's almost um, it's almost invisible. It, it, there is character work there. There is an evolution, um, and certainly when you bring in the flashbacks from who Dunes was before his son died to the the beautiful uh, compilation montage page by Manipol, I think it was in issue two where we see Dunes getting fired from the police department and spiraling into drinking too much and uh, the breakup of him and Kendra. Um, so there is, you know, character growth, um, but it's so in the background behind the action and the actual setting here. It's, it's so nuanced that, you know, if you're not looking for it, you can miss it and it becomes subtextual, which then makes the series and story work even better. So, um, like, I, I will I, I will buy the individual issues of this. I will buy the trade. I will buy the hardcover. Like, I just want, <laughs> just want this in some sort of physical form. It's so fantastic. So, what do you have to add, Rocky? Uh, I... You know, the, the final moments between Dunes and uh, Kendra, I thought were extremely touching where, I mean, she's she's basically dying, sacrificing herself for at least one interpretation. She, she's dying and she's had an about face. Uh, she, the back travail, as it's called, is going to be released and, and the world's going to wake up to what reality is really like. And as she's dying in, in Dunes' arms, He's thinking, he's saying, please let me back into one of those moments. Uh, any, any of them, let me live them with her. 
let me live in those moments forever with her. He doesn't want her to die. He wants to relive his life with her. But he can't. But he actually could. He could veil himself and keep her alive inside his mind forever. But he doesn't. That's part of part of the sacrifice. He knows needs to be done. And so that's what makes her passing all the more heartfelt. But it makes the memory of her. He's cherishing his final moments with her. And the thing is, the horrible, the horror element of the veil is that you can, you, you never need to remember it. You don't need memories because the veil, you can relive a memory and keep it permanent forever. That's sort of how the veil sucks you in. All your precious memories, you can live forever. And, and that's part of what, you know, you don't, you can avoid pain, but Pain is the point. You know, you know, the Buddhists say, you know, life is suffering. You know, suffering is, life isn't fair, but that's also what makes it kind of exciting. And the veil takes that away. And, you know, one of the powerful things that Kendra says to him, she says, remember when Baxter was born? And she confesses that I was, I was scared. I've never been more scared in my life than when Baxter was born. And he said, me neither. And she says to him, it's good to be, to be scared. So it's the best. So go scare them. Meaning, let the world know fear. Go scare them. Wake them up. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fear because that's life. You can't avoid fear all the time by living a fantasy. That's not what life's about. And and it, there's such a powerful message there. And, you know, let's face it. And this We're, we're living in... There's so many obvious metaphors here to the time we're living in now so many people are escaping their the, the life and things online and what have you and you know this is definitely a dystopian future story that has such a powerful message and ultimately it's grounded in love love and sacrifice and family uh, a husband a wife and a child and uh, with great loss but with a promise of a new tomorrow but also a promise of a tomorrow that's going to involve a great deal of sacrifice and some fear and being scared and facing those fears but hopefully we're a better tomorrow so that we can all get more clear hence the title so kudos to Snyder uh, fantastic art by uh, Manapal this was you know this is absolutely yeah talking with it you know I, I like this better than Night of the Ghoul it's just like I said I'm a sucker for a good metaphor I've said that so many times and uh, this this is just ripe with them and very well done you're on mute. You're on, you're on mute. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. And as we're winding up here, I will say the, the art by Manipal. I talk about this maybe being my favorite thing that Scott Snyder's ever done. There's no doubt it is my the favorite thing that Francis Manipal's ever done. Um, and I think part of the reason it works so well is because he got to do the color. He does all the color work as well. So, uh, yeah, go and check it out. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. All right. And uh, uh, am I still coming through? Yeah, you're still coming through. Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, I have music playing for some reason. Oh, well, there there soundtrack there. That's all right. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. You have to get clear, clear. You have to get clear. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Go and check out Clear. Uh, remember, it's on Comicsology Unlimited. So if you're five ninety nine a month, you can get all these for free. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get it to read for free as well. Or uh, they'll be in print from Dark Horse. I think coming out pretty soon. Uh, again, next wave of Best Jacket coming out the nineteenth. So we'll be reviewing those as well. 
highest recommendation for this. Go check it out. So uh, we appreciate the time, everybody. Thanks for joining us as always. And we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.